The content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gothier, and I am here with Dr. Bob Marshall. Dr. Robert Marshall was a speaker at our last Longevity Now conference. He gave an outstanding presentation to our listeners and our participants, and once again, we are here with him with another interview to talk about supplements, what makes a good supplement versus what makes a not-so-good supplement. And really, Dr. Robert is here to give us insight into fine-tuning our discernment when it comes to supplements, vitamins, minerals, things that we'll see in the health food store so that we're a little bit more educated and make better choices when we are in those aisles. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Bob. It's fantastic to have you once again. Well, thank you very much. It's um, um, a great honor to be able to um, share some of the things we've discovered and help people to have a better quality of life. And make no mistake, when you hit the um, food supplement aisle, you're in a... um, a minefield, and whether it's in a health food store, a drug store, or a supermarket, we've sort of gotten out of, um, we're an out-of-order society when it comes to food. Uh, In the late 1800s, early 1900s, we began heavy-duty use of refined sugar and refined flour, and as a result, many nutrient deficiencies began to crop up. And the science of biochemistry was born to find the nutrient that would correct the imbalance, and we did that. We did a great deal of that. And so by 1950 or so, we began thinking, believing that we could find every nutrient, isolate them, manufacture them, put them in a a bottle and you wouldn't need to eat anymore. And I know when I went to school, I secretly believed that. And watching the experiments with rats, where they would feed them food and then all the chemicals we had found, and the ones who got the food always outlived the other ones, spurring us on to find the missing nutrient. And along the way, we began making vitamins and minerals first from uh, food, then we found clever ways to make a biochemical mimic. And we waved our hands and we said these two are equal. The one that came from food and the one that came from petroleum, a non-living source, were equal. Now some people argued that's that's not right, but they had no science to support them. So we kept going, making isolated vitamins and minerals. And then we thought we were really smart. We put them all together, as many as we could, and we called it a multivitamin. And we even went another step and had a multivitamin with minerals. And then in the 1970s, along came a boy genius in Germany, Dr. Fritz Albert Popp. Dr. Popp had discovered that living things have a body of light. 
And, of course, when he said they were emanating light, they said, prove it. And to their outrage, he did so. And as a result, he was ostracized for many years and had difficulty just earning a living because what he had shown, there were three key things he had shown. First, that the essence of a living thing is its DNA. And when you make a B vitamin like B1 from petroleum, the chemical structure is identical to B1 that came from a living substance, but the DNA is missing. And so he showed that if you consume these, um, for the lack of a better word, I'll call them counterfeit nutrients, that um, short-term, the cell would be okay, but long-term, the DNA would degrade and that you would actually be harming the body since almost every drug, almost every single drug in the marketplace is non-living, chemically synthesized. This, of course, created an outrage in the drug community, and for this reason, he was ostracized for years. And basically, what he showed and underlying this discovery was the fact that we will never be able to isolate all the nutrients from some non-living chemical, put them in a, a, a mix, and consume them and be healthy. What he showed was the opposite. If we consume these over a long-term period of time, we're actually hurting our DNA. You might have short-term health, long-term harm. And so now we, we visit these multivitamins circa 1950, still being sold here in the year 2012, we're still selling these circa 1950 multivitamins, and oh, we've made them a lot better. We added zinc, or we added <laughs> some other isolated nutrient. And what happens when we have these isolated guys is that we can quickly create extraordinary imbalances in the body, new problems we never had before. And of course, we have little or no regard to the form of the nutrient we put in the multivitamin. So, for example, we take, a, um, we take iron as ferrous fumarate, and uh, we use this to enrich, quote-unquote, our white flour. And we do this because we know around 1940 that we were in deep trouble with the overall health of the U.S., so we decided we'd enrich the white flour. At that point in time, we had about one person in 300,000 who had iron accumulation in the liver and a serious problem called hemochromatosis. Today, having added this rock form of iron to our white flour and having most people eating this white flour in large amounts, we now have one person in 300, a thousand-fold increase in trouble with this rock form of iron bioaccumulated in the liver. And of course, we like to think that's the only problem, but it isn't. Um, there are millions of Americans, in my opinion, who are having trouble with this iron from white flour because they um, have low blood levels of iron, which means they're going to have problems with thyroxin, 
and they're going to have problems with adrenaline. So they're going to have poor energy and gain weight. Does that sound like what's happening across the country? Yes. Mm. And part of it is this rock food supplement that's been put into our white flour. And part of it is taking a multivitamin with minerals, including this rock form of iron. Now, I could bore you to death by going through five or six more of these, but hopefully you're going to get one theme from what I'm saying, and that is there's only one way to nourish this body, and that's from once living source compounds. And the work of Dr. Fritz Albert Pop and the follow-up work of Roger Penrose, Chalmers, and many others confirm the findings of Pop. This is not some theory that uh, has been unpro- has not been proven this is a proven theory this is a proven fact so when we get this multivitamin we may have short-term benefit long-term harm but you know looking at these uh, supplements we need to take another view and that is what else is in this supplement Let's say that every compound they had came from a living source, but they put it in a tablet. The tablet is going to deliver all these weird chemicals, and the concept of a tablet or a capsule with weird chemicals, which are called excipients, the approval process was only for drugs. It has never been given for supplements. It has been usurped for supplements. And the concept in drugs was that if you had these weird chemicals, you were only taking them for a short period of time, and we didn't need to be concerned. Well, gee whiz, when you get a multivitamin with minerals that's a tablet, you're getting all these weird chemicals day after day after day after day. What a tremendous mistake. Now, let's just look at a couple of them. I don't want to go into a ton of them, but... Talcum powder is one that the U.S. FDA allows. Now, in Europe, talcum powder is called a carcinogen. It's not allowed. In the U.S., it's called a suspect carcinogen, and if you're making a tablet or even capsules, it's very convenient to use talcum powder. works really good, and you're allowed to use 1% to 2%. My Lord. So along with whatever benefit you might have thought you were getting, you're getting this bioaccumulating nail in your coffin. Another favorite is magsterate, and there are studies showing that magnesium stearate may create problems with immunity. There are other studies that show it's coincident with formaldehyde, a known carcinogen. So many of the manufacturers love the convenience, so they switch to calcium stearate because there's no direct study. I'm sorry if I laugh, but I... Uh, I mean, I just feel like it's, um, it's a white-collar crime. And you need to understand, in the blue-collar crime, somebody shoots somebody and they go to jail. The white-collar crime, somebody gets hurt, but it takes so long, nobody knows who did it. And uh, this is, to me, one of the white-collar crimes. So these chemicals don't belong in anything that you're going to consume day in and day out. Many of them, polyvinyl, perilidone, there's so many of them, but the common ones that we need to really worry about are silicon dioxide and magsterate. And these two guys can have formaldehyde tagalongs, and they're very, very commonly used. There are others that are not so harmful, but that's because 
there are others that are not harmful at all because they're actually from a living source and they are an excellent agent to uh, promote the flow and the filling of a capsule or a tablet. The temperature to uh, dry the tablet is around 128 to 134. If you get water on your hand like that, you're going to be burned. Uh, so any compound in there is going to be burned to some extent. So you're pretty much stuck with capsules. And in the capsule array, you've got gelatin capsules with sort of glue to the bowel lining. And really, if you take a lot of them, might be a problem, could potentially be a problem. There's a, a solvent-free vegetable capsule. This breaks up and is like provides fiber for the bowel. So this is a beautiful thing. It's the ultimate solution. Unfortunately, there are some uh, solvent-generated um, vegetable capsules of Chinese origin that are in the marketplace. Um, but in general, the vegetable capsules that are solvent-free are an excellent long-term and short-term delivery. And Dr. Bob, what you were referring to earlier, would that be something that's called fortification, something that the U.S. government has been doing with yes. a, a lot of our kind of staple foods over the years? What yes. can you tell us about f like fortification and the type of foods that are used? Just like going a little bit deeper because I know on a lot of like packaging, if you look yes. on the back of the package, it will list riboflavin. Yes, correct. Those type of things. Can These are all synthetic vitamins and a couple of minerals, uh, and that process is called enrichment. And uh, it's done with any uh, product that contains white flour. When you've stripped the flour off, uh, when you have white flour, then by law you must enrich it. And uh, they've gotten very clever at making these products. Uh, they'll say wheat flour, uh, but then you see at the bottom it's enriched. And the reason it says wheat flour is in the hope of deceiving the consumer into thinking it's whole wheat flour. And, you know, these kind of little tricks instead of saying white flour. And they'll bleach the white flour, so there may be other chemicals remaining as a result of the bleaching. So um, anything that says enriched, it's a good idea not to eat it. Uh, and long-term, see, short-term, you're fine. Long-term, you're going to be in trouble with these chemicals, uh, these chemical-enriched foods. You need live source nutrition, and you need it in its best forms. And sadly, we are still forced to go into supplementation, and I really want to talk about the word supplement. Supplement means you're going to add something to whatever you're already consuming. And so I'd like to step back just a second and say, let's take a look at what you're consuming. Let's eliminate white flour and white sugar, and now a lot of your deficit or your shortfall of nutrition drops way down. And let me explain just a little bit about that. See, if you eat white flour, the synergists, the cofactors, the transporters that metabolize the remainder called white flour are, are missing. So your body has to, has to give up this kind of nutrition to process the food. And one of the things we observe is that when you eat white sugar, most people report that they need or feel like eating a lot more food. And wow, take a look at what's happening to the weight of our country. My God, it's, it's scary to see how many people are overweight. 
And why are they overweight? Well, when they eat this food, the body simply cries out and says, I just don't have what it takes to metabolize this. So it's trying to tell you, eat more, eat more. You will eat way less when you stop eating white flour and white sugar. And that doesn't mean you can't have something sweet, and it doesn't mean you can't make wonderful things. You just don't use white flour and white sugar. And um, obviously, the less we cook or process food, the better it's going to be for us. There's no doubt about that. And so coming back to the issue of, of white flour and white sugar, it's so ubiquitous in the society that we feel as a culture, gosh, you know, everybody does it. It must be okay. Well, that's completely, totally wrong. And we really need to get a different view of this. It's, it's really creating so many problems in terms of ill health across the board. Each 10 years that you're consuming these foods is just a, a devastation to your body. And Dr. Bob, this is something that we are very, very intrigued about with our circle of listeners because David Wolf has been teaching about raw food nutrition, about live supplementation for many, many years, and it's fantastic to hear your perspective on this. And one thing that he's really sort of focused on, especially in the last five years, is the calcium supplement industry in the in the specific modality of the calcium that they mine and dig up to put in a supplemental form is what's actually silting up our body and creating a lot of arthritis problems, creating a lot of joint pain. It's literally clogging up our gears and causing huge amounts of problems. Do you have any specific takes on calcium supplementation in particular? Well, um, yes, I do. I mean, you know, there are studies that support what David is saying, there are studies that show if you consume calcium alone, you're going to have more bone loss than if you consume nothing. So the, the idea of calcium uh, is like a shortcut telling you that you're missing minerals, but what you're really missing is a mineral matrix, and that is not calcium. It's calcium, magnesium, and uh, up to about 18 to 20 other minerals so far that we've been able to identify. So there's a whole matrix of things that you need, and uh, I myself never attempt to give a supplement of calcium. Uh, I think that uh, as much as 25 years ago, it was clear that a calcium supplement alone actually increased bone loss. There are studies to that effect. So, so we don't want to go there, but I think there's another key key issue here that um, the food, even if you're eating raw food, is minerally challenged. We've been processing, we've been using the land without respect for the land, and as a result, the mineral content, the general mineral content of our food is, is dramatically diminished. And as a result, some way to support mineral metabolism is very critical. But isolating a mineral like calcium is uh, very dangerous, and uh, I would agree with David, is, has a potential for a great deal of harm. But a mineral matrix is a different game. <laughs> you, you know, I want to come back, though, a little bit to the concept of raw food versus cooked food. Here, I think the evidence goes all the way back to the early 1900s, but 
before I go to that evidence, I want to show you another picture that I think really vindicates uh, David Wolf and the whole raw food movement. And that is a very obscure study that was published in Medical Hypothesis in 1998. And there they took um, and studied the reaction in the body to cooked food versus raw food. And they showed on average that when you ate cooked food, you lose 18, you lose 1,800 methyl groups per day per cell. <laughs> wow. And if you were to eat, if you were to eat raw food, you would lose only 1,200. So their study suggests that if you eat cooked food, you squander up to a third of your viable lifespan. Wow. Wow. See, and this is a way to quantify what David is saying. And I feel it's very, very critical. But let's, let's take another view, okay? And that is uh, the studies that were done in Switzerland in 1919 and then again in 1992. Don't hold me to that, but right early 1990s. And they coined a term called the leukocytosic index. Uh, leukocytes are a white cell that respond to um, uh, what the body would view as an, uh, an attacker, an invader, okay? And what they showed was the more you cook the food, the higher the reaction of these leukocytes, okay? So they showed anything that went over 212, the boiling point, was an astronomical response. And, of course, it wasn't very well received there because things like sausage and <laughs> cooked right. and processed meats were uh, out of this world in terms of their leukocytosic response. And they further showed that if something was processed under, I think, 108 or I can't remember exactly, but not over 115, they claimed that uh, there was no leukocytosic reaction to that food. So, so again, this is sort of a, a, a corroboration or a confirmation of what David is saying. Okay, fantastic. So if you're interested in checking out what Dr. Bob has done in terms of high-quality products, you can visit the Longevity Warehouse, click on the Shop by Brand link, and you'll find the Quantum Nutrition Labs link, and you can click on that. It'll bring you to the products that we have available for you. And I'm sure listening to this interview, you get a sense of the type of quality control that, that you employ, Dr. Bob. It's probably one of the best in the world and this is something that just fits phenomenally well into you know what david's been teaching all these years into what we're trying to do at the longevity warehouse which is bring together the best of the best you know we have a saying in our company you know if we bring a product in and we just say is it the best ever and if it is we carry it if that product changes or reduces in quality then we get rid of it and we just keep that level of integrity and we're just really overjoyed at being able to connect with you well thank you very much and Along the lines of this methyl groups, uh, that is the ultimate methyl donor is betaine hydrochloride. And the word betaine, it can be chemically made or it can be derived from beets or other live source compounds. You only want live source betaine hydrochloride, obviously. And when you do this, many people have asked me, should I take um, betaine HCL with, cooked, with raw food? I know I need it with cooked food, but should I take it with raw food? And my answer is yes, because 
there's now evidence that you may actually be able to reduce your methyl group loss. And the, the secret is that once you lose up to two-thirds of your methyl groups, the cell has to die. And so this means that uh, food, the way it's been set up, you need to die at about 65 to 80. If you ate all raw food, you'd have to die at 90 to 110, but you'd be pretty beat up. On the other hand, if you took a supplement like betaine hydrochloride and you took it with potassium-rich foods, which are very abundant in raw food, you can now transfer. There are studies that suggest you can uh, promote returning uh, or promote delivery of uh, the methyl groups in the betaine back to the cell. So instead of losing 1,800 or 1,200, maybe we can lose 800 or 900. <laughs> wow. So we can use this raw food, we can use this raw supplement as a vehicle, a cheap, powerful vehicle to keep our vitality and long life. And to understand this further, let's say we ate a raw food outside and someone had handled it and it had bacteria or something bad for us in the food. The HCL can French fry it. So we, appropriately, <laughs> uh, so, that, so there's, there's a defense and there's also an offense from the same lowly, inexpensive little supplement. So I always take this uh, every single day, regardless of what I eat, and I rarely eat cooked food. Only if I'm perhaps on the road would I eat cooked food. Mm -hmm.